the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 272 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. My body's ready, my heart's on fire, I'm gonna push it. up you savages this is the protect your neck podcast and i'm your host dan tom analysts is work you find over at mma junkies as well as oddschecker.us.com but on this here program the protect your neck podcast we break down high level mma that's what we're gonna do here today tonight whenever you're listening to this hopefully it's before the fight as i got kumite going in the background baby you know what time it is teased it a little bit on a early appearance i did uh for some leans on a Chronic Combat Conversation, shouts to those guys, and uh, don't listen to my uh, ugly rendition, let's just, you know, enjoy the music here. Um, of course, that's a little uh, foreshadowing to a pick and play for later, but we'll get to that, because we're going to be breaking down UFC 272 uh, between um, some guy named Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal, but uh, we'll be breaking that down from top to bottom. You can check the timestamps as per usual for, you know, when that action uh when that action starts, and um, as per usual on these breakdown episodes, I always recap my picks and plays from, again, same order from top to bottom at the very end of the episode. going to start off the episode as per usual with some shouts and a brief recap of last week, and uh, then we'll get into it, shall we? All right, definitely not you know promising anything expedited. Actually recording this earlier, had um, my picks, like, zoned in and pretty much ended up on my leans that I jotted down here at the beginning of the week, like Sunday night. And, uh, but, you know, everything's kind of crazy, uh, just, you know, worldwide, obviously. Um, shouts to any, you know, sovereign countries being invaded out there and all that all that BS. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my favorite dog of the week, uh, who's now not a dog, but we'll talk about the betting interest still, uh, perhaps, with an RDA. Uh, loses his matchup against Fazeev in, in a line that didn't make much sense. He was also going to be my pick, not just from a betting perspective. Um, I taped that all on Sunday as well as the main event. Had everything done. Uh, did a show over on Clear uh, for a typical sports book over there with uh, in conjunction with USA Today Sports. So thanks to those fine folks over there for having me. Um, we had to cut out the co-main event because, of course, that news didn't break when we recorded that Monday morning. But again, as I reference on everything, it's not final until you hear it here or until you see it in writing with my name next to it. So always be wary of that. I'll let you know of any potential changes there. There was on the main card um, that I had a bit of a change of heart. Uh, And I may or may not be swinging on the fence right now for a pick, uh, if you will, on that. But uh, I will get to that too. Um, It's just been, uh, you know, like I said, bananas uh, outside of MMA, inside of MMA, and of course... You know, if you've been playing along, not to do the first walk and play or anything, just to, if you guys have been playing along, yes, no, uh, the distract, or yes, the distraction uh, city still goes down from Sunday to Tuesdays, and uh, yeah, it still involved my old laundry, uh, as I was, I, <laughs> uh, as of as of today, I finally have clean underwear again, so, you know, I know that was a very, uh, you know, needed update that you guys needed, but yeah, it's been fucking insane, um, 
No one wants to, since it's like a power thing that almost caused a fire that almost burned down my house. No one wants to take responsibility to do it from electricians to you know Walmart to Samsung to service centers. Uh, yeah, repair people. It's it, it's fucking bananas. And my luck, uh, you know, as per usual, just continues in that sort of sense. You know, this house, nothing ever gets fixed, nothing ever gets done right, and you don't get what you pay for. These are the rules. Uh, so, yeah, I'm still. Just trying to barely keep afloat there, folks. Um, so again, sorry to the, uh, you know, to the listeners out there. The uh, shout out to my guy James Young of the world. Uh, people on YouTube, uh, you know, uh, th- I'm still behind on the podcast stuff. Hopefully, there's no issues with iTunes that I, I saw some rumblings of the timeline. Of course, you know, you guys can access smartphone friendly players at mixedmartialanalyst.com. Means it'll play on your smartphone no matter what you got. You can still browse and go do other stuff. It's quite nice. Uh, and also, I'm, I'm still on like other things like PodTrack and Podbean and stuff according to what I track on my analytics. So, like, things that are just kind of that like, grab RSS feeds, you can still find the show um, there, folks. But, yeah, uh, that, that's pretty much it here. Just just normal fucking uh, bullshit. So, um, you know, ap- apologies for delays on other things. But, again, I'm actually coming to you guys on the advertised day slash evening of a Thursday instead of a Friday for once. So there's there's that, right? Hey? All right. Uh, let's... um. Let's uh, recap before we get into the shouts. Going to recap Bellator 275. Just the main event. All I wrote here is a moose dick. I don't... What the fuck you mean? You talking about my fucking anteater? Huh? You know, it's a fucking Oreo sleeve, but musassi flavor. (laughs) Musassi. I am not Austin Vanderport or Paige Van Zandt, so I don't know why you're announcing it to this podcast. I'll see you lay it down on me. I lay it down on the fucking table. Okay, wow, Musasi. All right, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, in all serious, Musasi inside the distance cash plus 115 for a unit. Tweeted that out. Hashtag Musasi for later. Shout out to my man Ben Cohn there. Um, I got fucking dick. Uh, <laughs> shout out to my man Gorgeous George, too, who, uh, who uh, appreciated the uh, impression uh, over there on the uh, MMA Junkie Radio. Um <coughs> Make sure you go subscribe, check those guys out, of course. Um, yeah, man, uh, so that that was nice. Um, happened pretty fast. I think something happened on a shoulder on a shot, but it really didn't matter. It was, again, like I said, in, in hindsight, this is kind of the, the, the lines you bet. Um, and Bellator's given some gifts of those in recently. Not that I'm going to make them betting thing a regular thing. It's still dangerous in a bet, folks. Don't worry. But, uh, yeah, you know, you pick your spot. Sometimes you miss, you know, like I, I did uh, the week before, but oftentimes you hit... Like I did before that with Bader, and again, some of my biggest bets with Nemkov, that big submission prop I hit last uh, <clears throat> last year, as well as Musasi's last fight last year, you know, so uh, continuing to cash. Um, I'll let everybody else argue rankings and statuses, I can care less. Um, making money is <laughs> keep me in this motivated right now, so I ain't even going to front that that's not even my motivation, so that's what I'm focusing on or trying to. Uh, UFC Fight Night 202 recap. Uh, Ten and one overall in picks. Again, another another. My pick percentage has been going back up where it normally uh, has been when I started, so that's been good. I think that has to do with not having that that the stressor of the staff picks. Although you know, again, my life is a uh, really stiff test. <laughs> has really been turning it up on the beginning of my weeks in other ways, but still, I, I like to think that you know I'm making some progress there. You know, silver lining, good things. 
Um, I put one and one in, in props, but I was counting the the fucking Musasi the later thick. But so maybe, probably I guess for this event, I guess own one and prop would be uh, Hobo Cop inside the distance. Um, which we'll get to that, and we went 0-1 on the round flyer, Nunez round two. How close was that? But again, if you remember listening to last week's, like, I, I jinxed myself on the podcast, and I called myself out, I'm like, fuck, I just jinxed that bet, and sure enough, again, if the universe is going to wink at me, it always winks at me and goes, your analysis is right, Dan, but we're not going to give it to you, and those were, that was kind of the story of, uh, those I missed, which is fine, because again, um... No complaints uh, incoming on any bounces, by the way. That's just the name of the game, baby. Uh, and even though I could say that I don't tend to get bounces often, part of me, you know what, I'm going to spin that around and be, be prideful of it because when I look at my bets, especially in comparison to other people's, they're not dependent on bounces so much. Even as a volatile game like this, again, I, I do the work uh, for the analysis and you know, sometimes I'll cash things and you know, you'll have people going, you know, it'll be like unanimous decision. And people be like, oh, I was on the value side. I had the dog in that. It was closer than or, or a judge gave it to. Like we had, you know, that one week where the, 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 the judges were out of line with each other quite a bit. I think it was that one ref, by the way, the rocket scientist one or whatever. But it was like, you know, justifying bets that way. And it's just like, okay, um, you know, I might not, you know, uh, I, it's I, I hate that because, like, I really in private, like, no, no, the person won, won the fight and that's... They earned it, and anybody who bet it, especially if they did it following, you know, actual analysis and logic, and, and being able to show their work, um, should deserve to cash. But you always have those people, you know, up in the comments or whatever, trying to take shine. Whereas, you know, you've got a lot of, you know, people who get bounces, and God bless them for it. You know, uh, laying big unit bets and whatnot, and instead of being sour and going, ah, oh, why do these, you know, again, I, you know, which I, I talked to on the. the uh, chronic combat guys, you know, whether it's a fight style matchmaking or bets, I just hate, I hate seeing bad approaches kind of rewarded and we'll get to that. Cause we, we definitely had, um, some more of that, <clears throat> but, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm getting all lost in the sauce here. Um, not drinking by the way, but you know what I mean? Um, but basically it's just, um, what I'm trying to say is that, you know what, instead of saying, uh, Oh, it seems like everybody else gets the beats and I don't. I'm I'm looking at it this way. It actually makes sense. It's because I'm not betting on things, you know, uh, you know, for 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 you know, I hate I I I feel like I still use the word value too much, you know, according to those like I respect, like the Joey Joey O's of the world. Uh, but like, yeah, like at the same time, like I, I I don't make those bets where it's like just blindly on value, and that's fine if you do. I'm not not shitting on that. I'm just trying to put logic as to why I'm like, why am I always getting bad beats, or why does it feel like. And then the, the the beat, you know, when, when things are in the beats, I'm, I'm not, you know, oh, it's because usually we'll take a bad beat, bad beat for me to lose a bet. Um, you know, and, and, and again, that's just part of the, the game. You can't never squeeze out volatility, intangibility, um, wild upsets. These things are always going to be a living percentage that you just accept. Um, but yeah, let's move on. Let's move on with it before I get too wrapped up in concepts. Let's actually like put stuff to talk to to it. Dan, uh, Islam Makhachev defeated Bobby Green uh, very fast. I didn't expect it to be that fast. Um, I thought it was going to go longer. But um, I guess I should thank everybody for betting the overs and inflating me off of it because I, I I didn't end up taking any of that uh, or anything. Like I said, I wasn't going to bet the fight anyways. Um, and I don't blame anybody for betting Bobby Green, but 
again, me being a big Bobby Green fan, there's a reason why I didn't, I didn't pick him. Um, as much as I stand for his style, I'm glad that I was able to at least get a profile on him now, out there publicly, but it sucks that that was his main event spot. It sounds like he doesn't want one anymore. Um, it's weird. It's like, I, I've been seeing like a lot of hate for Makhachev, um, but now the guy's definitely not helping himself by uh, going out and talking crap, and then even if it is Ali, uh, which it probably is obviously on Twitter, um, with the whole RDA thing, you know, um, just bad look. Obviously, we don't know the story. I'm not pretending I could care less uh, to argue it or no. I'm just saying it just definitely does not uh, <laughs> does not look good. Um, you know, saying you'll fight anybody after the fact of when you had the chance. Um, and yeah, I just feel bad for. Um, RDA too because he's been kind of we'll get to him he's been really he's been really messed a lot of his layoffs and activity has been just he's had some really bad luck man really bad luck in you know uh, his post prime career uh, Wellington Terman defeated Misha Serkinov um, again this is one of a couple dogs that I picked that didn't hit and I didn't play it and they end up cashing and that's fine and, I'm, and I hope if I helped you cash awesome uh, all the glory to you no need to give any to me there uh, but I will say, at least for myself, that I, I'm not trying to say that to feel better or like, make anybody feel worse or anything like that. But like, I, I, I don't feel bad not playing these kind of fights because I was just like, holy shit, the sweat. I make myself sweat enough, granted. Uh, you, you can't avoid the sweat, granted, I should say, but I make myself sweat enough. Uh, I didn't want to put my money in this one or the next fight, which we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, man, it's just as much as I like Misha Serkinov, it just... He's a hard guy to be in a confident on, um, you know, much less bet. And and I'm not, I don't mean that to be a diss. I had friends who bet on him. I'm not trying to make him be, you know, Misha's an awesome guy on paper. You know, it, it, you could you could certainly justify it. So I'm not I'm not shitting on it. I'm just saying that this is the reason why I, I couldn't both pick and and play uh, Sirkinoff is just because even though he deserved to be the favorite and you were getting a good price as cord a favor, uh, you know, as far as favorites go. Um. Man, I just can't trust the guy to hold together. Way too inconsistent. Whereas Wellington Terman, also combustible, but you know he's got the he he's got the cojones. He hasn't had this confidence beat out of him yet, kind of. So that's kind of the the pick. Um, and then yes, the Glover rub, of course. That was that's cool. That's all cool. Uh, Priscilla Cachetta defeated Ji Yun Kim. Um, unanimous decision. Judges were in lockstep with the rounds, twenty nine, twenty eight. Um, I didn't have a big opinion on this live. I wasn't watching too closely. Uh, perhaps I was surprised that Cashoy to won, but again, I wasn't watching too closely and listening to um, commentary, and that can sway your opinion of the fight because you're not actually watching action. Just like, you know, seeing a stats graphic that's unofficial and inaccurate doesn't tell the story of the fight. It can still sway your opinion as when I went back to rewatch it because it actually became an assignment come Sunday to Monday. Um, uh, I also got yeah. I took an extra assignment to do that, which was fine because this was a really good one to talk about, and brought about some good points. Regardless if you agree with my scorecard, I'm, I don't even like my scorecard to be honest. Uh, but it was it, it does bring about the and I rewatched it multiple times with like headphones in, just like did I really just score that round for? Come on, rewatch it again um, for what that's worth. And again, I'm not. Uh, I don't think I'd be a great judge to be honest, folks. But I, I do feel like I can explain things and break them down post pretty well, right? It's kind of more my job, I guess, so it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I scored the first round for Cachoeira, um for the same reasoning why most people did, uh, for you know slightly harder strikes. She didn't throw very many leg kicks. I think she only gets credited with landing four, but they were really hard ones, 
and at least two of them, I, I believe, were in this round. And everything she threw kind of looked like it had an effect um, on Kim. And impact is the criteria, which is why striking stats do not tell the story because striking stats are wrong um, by what they're counting. Uh, and by definition of what they're counting is problematic because significant strikes, if it's on the ground, um, it's not significant, which is, makes no sense because your body has nowhere to go and how many brutal grounded pounders have we seen and stoppages there, right? Um, so that's problematic alone. Uh, yeah, just, just through the layers. It's silly, but numbers are easier to digest than actual action, understanding it, much less remembering it through the course of a round, right? It's very tough. It is. So I get it. Um, and that's why broadcasts love these things. But as soon as that stat graphic pops up in beginning of round two, you almost hear the commentators caught off guard because they were seeing it for um, Cachoeira. And round two actually ended up giving to Cachoeira, which Cachoeira backers... Uh, even d disagree with, which is something that's why I kind of feel crazy here. But I gave it to her based on the same logic that those same backers who would disagree with me giving it for round two, the same reason for they slash I slash we gave her round one. And in fact, I felt a little better about it. Um, because if you look at the uh, strikes uh, in uh, landed in that round, and it's tough because it, you got a lot of body language, right? Where Keshueta, she both has a really bad body language and balance in general. But she's also trying to improve her defense and slip. So a lot of these shots are actually like just missing or she's taking off of, um, a bit off of. And um, and she's more off balance from her overthrowing than, than getting hit from the counters, if that makes sense. But it looks bad, right? It just looks bad, of course. In multiple ways, it looks bad. Not disagreeing with that. Um, and we'll talk about body language from a really technical fighter who still has really bad body language. These are These are just... This is just two separate things that we have to realize uh, exist. You know, this is a very technical Brazilian with really bad body language we'll talk about on the main card. Um, and uh, whereas, you know, a lot of people um, gave Cachoeira round three where I didn't because she made blood and it looked like she was rocking uh, not just the blood, but it did look like she was rocking Kim to some people. And when I go back and watch it, and a lot of people did note this. I'm like, the only person getting rocked in that round was Cachoeira multiple times, you know. Um, two at the very least, at the very least. And again, it's what you, sub subjective, it's what you interpret. And that's what I interpreted. Um, and whereas with Kim's, it was more her being off balance and tired. And since she's throwing tired, she's throwing more off balance, uh, which she usually doesn't do. She's obviously the more technical fighter. Um, <clears throat> so even though... The elbows are landing, and there's impact to the elbows. They're not just grazing elbows. There are impact to the, the... I'm not denying that. I just feel like it wasn't enough to outweigh the impactful punches that cause concussive damage than over the cosmetic damage of elbows. Uh, and for longer durations and more exchanges. So, um, But yeah, I didn't think she was rocked either. Um, so that's why I say cosmetic, because, again, if, if when, when you go back and watch, a lot of the stuff's not even landing clean or not landing at all. But again, you swing hard, and it gives that impression. So it's it's very two-way street, you know. And again, I'm trying to stay consistent. If if you know if one if I'm awarding the harder shots, and somebody looking like they got you know hit and and bothered by strikes for rounds one and two, well then I got to stay consistent for that for three and give that to Kim. Now when I score this, it's so close. Like if someone gives Kim round one or round two where I didn't. I have no issue with that because it was that close, you know? 
And if you're a judge Cade side, you're seeing stuff different. So maybe the shots that kept sounding impactful upon my multiple times rewatches that the judges don't get, um, perhaps to their Cade side seats, uh, they heard it. They have a better view of me and you. So they uh, didn't feel the Keshuaitas were that impactful. So they went to Kim. No problem there, folks. Or, you know, vice versa. You know, they have a better view of her impact. But again, they are only human and they only get one shot, unlike us who can go over it multiple times and argue to the death of things, right? So maybe they miss that one or two shots. And in rounds these close, missing one or two shots, looking up and down from your phone, folks, it, it makes all the difference in the world. Um, if you really want to do your due diligence and understand the criteria, you know, put put the headphones on, block all distractions, sit down and score it in a dark room or whatever. Like, I pretty much did. Well, whenever I get called to write these things, I really try my best here. Um, and I didn't have betting biased, obviously, on this one either. Uh, I was rooting for Kim. Um, I like Kim still more as a fighter. There's nothing to do with that. I just got to be unbiased and judge the action for what it was. And uh, that, that was my scorecard, and I don't think there's any issue for that. And because of that, I'm not going to cry about the fight that I did bet on, um, not cashing, uh, which we'll get to in two fights. Armin Sarukian defeated Yoel Alvarez. I really wish I played this one. I just I think I got scared off, you know, because of the... Well, not scared off. You know, I got to give myself some slack because I've been trying to budget and be more conservative, especially on a card this like, like this, like this was. And sorry, Rukian, unless I wanted to just lay a hammer, which I probably should have, and just fucking lay down the betting line and just backed up the brink struck, whatever analogy you want to use out there. I probably should have done it. Of course, that's hindsight speaking, though, right? So, um, you know, uh, you know, and, and, you know, a bunch of people, friends, listeners, people I respect, all on Alvarez, you know, live dog, I get it. Um, but really, man, this was just, you know, people were getting all hurt in the feelings. Like, when you're calling Joel Ivers a size bully, he clear someone's like a Twitter is like, he clearly fights at 155. You should check your facts. I'm like, he missed weight his last two times and almost missed weight, if not for a second attempt and a magical pair of half pound underwear, uh, on this scale after joking about, um, making weight in the lead up despite, Missing weight twice, and despite being the biggest, you know, one of the bigger welterweights, if he goes up a division, yeah, okay. Uh, and I hope that he does that so he can work more on skill because clearly the guy has to work a lot on weight cutting. Um, and so Rukin uh, continues, uh, shows you why that he was a top dark horse of mine for some years now, folks. If you've been listening to the Protect Your Neck podcast, this is not new to you. Armin Petrosian, it was not. Uh, the famous kickboxer's brother, as I just felt like I kept hearing repeated over and over, uh, again, defeated Gregory uh, Rodriguez. Um, honestly, you know, I and most people scored it for Rodriguez, but again, when you have fights that are this competitively close, whether they're chaotic or conservative, whatever reason, if they're close or competitive on whatever degree or whatever temperature the fight is, it leaves the door open whether we like it or not whether we agree with it or not, for rounds to go the other way. That is just them breaks, folks. Um, so, um, it's easy because I've been winning, and it was a winning night anyways to not care. But honestly, um, I'm just trying to be much more nicer to the judges. And something that we all should do before laying bets is understand that we need to be a-okay. You need to be, it's a day one thing here. Uh, you need to be okay with losing whatever money you put off or put, or put down. Um, 
<clears throat> but B, just understanding that those losses are going to be a part of the game. Um, not getting these beats are going to be part of the game. And like I said before, even though it can feel like I, I feel like I'm always on the wrong end of these beats, like with the uh, Puna Soriano and all these contender series things, where the person they shouldn't even be getting the matchup. Uh, not only should they not win according to the numbers and the analysis, but like moralistically for their career, it's actually one of those few rare occasions where it's actually better if they lose than if they win because now they're actually going to be in there with legit guys on basically no experience in MMA or very little. And these are the spots where it just feels like everything lines up and I, I bet it. And then I see that the MMA gambling Twitter is all, you know, on the hype guy, the striker, the sexy, the contenders, whatever the angle we're talking about here. And I'm like, here we go, you know. And I probably shouldn't have bet the fight anyway, so that's another reason why I'm not sour grapes about it. And I knew that going in, which is why I only laid 0.75 units um, for a plus money angle on a guy who had more ways to finish, more ways to win, more experience. Um, but it didn't go that way. Um, you know, it, you know, I think someone trusted uh, my guy, Jerry H., he was just like, like oh, well, cop, we got to note the bad IQ going forward about the lack of takedowns. And I'm like, yes and no. Um, again, speaking of risk, being aware and being okay with the risk you're going to take beforehand. I said that beforehand, uh, even though I tweeted and that was part of the reason. And yes, he's a BJJ black belt world champion in the small cage. It's kind of hard to overlook that, is it not? Um, at, at the same time, I did say, tell you guys in the breakdown, he doesn't. Uh, go for takedowns as much as you want. And even though his defense is underrated, which, by the way, I was proven, the analysis was proven right again. Everybody picking Petrosian going, Hobocop has no defense. Hobocop has no chin. Dude, Hobocop took, he's probably one of the only people to, to take the um, head kick knee from Drew Fickett, Josh Koshkek, Aljamain Sterling getting knocked out by Marlon Marais, um, so on and so forth. Uh, when guys duck into those knee knee head kicks, those are some of the most brutal knockouts. Hobo Cop did that, and you could see that it hit because he got cut open from it. Uh, even though I still felt he won the first round because he bashed open the uh, what do you call uh, Petrosian's nose with his head kick, and, and and I think rocked him more visibly. But Hobo Cop actually like keeps his defense, he keeps his eyes open, starts firing back. Um, it was pretty impressive. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be banking on this chin. Shout out to my guy, Brazchuk. Like, this, Hobocop's going to be dead multiple times in his career, like he said, but he's just going to be a fun guy to watch, and that holds true here, more like the fun guy to watch part. The more fun fighter, the more diverse fighter, did more um, did more pressuring, did more defense. Uh, in my opinion, had some of the more impactful strikes, but then again, there, there were definitely a lot of moments where, again, uh, Again, bad body language. Rodriguez, even though his chin's better than given credit for, um, when he gets hit, it just doesn't look good. You can't tell if he if he's hurt, if he's not hurt. Okay, he's hurt, but how hurt is he? Like, there's a lot of that in there, right? Um, so you know, we'll talk about that more in, again in the main card for the next uh, card as well. Um, so there's a lot of that in there. So again, that's why I have no issue with Petrosian going there. Again, I had friends and listeners uh, of this show, so I'm not trying to trash when I say bad bets, but let's just say, you know, again, this fight, Petrosian could have easily won. You're getting plus money from that angle. I, I don't disagree, but, like, I was seeing people laying, like, multiple, multiple, multiple units on a fucking contender series guy, on a fight with a contender series guy, and a guy, and, and a hobo cop, you know? I mean, I can't talk shit, because I bet the fight, too, um, but, you know, again, I, 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 I did a reasonable small unit, um, a reasonable angle, um, 
And even though there wasn't a finish, I would argue that, that my analysis showed true as far as Rodriguez, much better kickboxer, showing to be better each time out, working with Sanford MMA, underrated defense, got many messages from a lot of you guys on that. Uh, obviously the grappling advantage. But here's the thing, it's like you could you could say he doesn't go for the takedown enough, but like this is the thing with him and, and why he's going to be just a dangerous guy to bet, but fun as hell to watch. Maybe we'll get dog money now from him. And Petrosian's, you know, he's going to be a, a fade plant to maybe his own detriment. He's good. Uh, he actually has, has got some more, much more promise than a Nick Maximoff. So I don't want to pick on Petrosian here. Um, he, he's going to be competitive, but just on paper, he shouldn't have even been in this fucking fight. So to see him rewarded uh, with that, you know, the matchmaking rewarded, him rewarded. Um, and, 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 well, not really. I mean, he fought a good, he fought a good fight for what he had, but you can't really ask for him. But just seeing the matchmaking rewarded, you know, Again, I don't want to say bad bets or anything, but you know, uh, fuck, they were winning bets, right? Fucking, I got the bad bet. I mine didn't, uh, mine didn't cash, but I think any bet on this fight was probably a bad bet if you really look back at it. Um, yeah, and yeah, man. So uh, we'll see. I, I just hate seeing bad approaches rewarded. Um, and and like, oh yeah, that's what I was saying with the Rodriguez when he when he smashed his nose in the third round with that head kick. Um, he could have kept it striking, but then he went for the takedown there. So. Fight IQ, yes, but I don't know if it's necessarily for not going for the takedown enough. It's just like, you know, he doesn't go for the takedown when you want him to, and he does when you don't necessarily want him to, you know. Someone, someone's got to rewire Hobo Cop there. Um, I actually wouldn't get it put past him to get back to more of his grappling in his next fight just because of how uh, this shit shook out. So um, anybody who took a dog shot or whatever, fuck, man, good on you. Um, <clears throat> and uh, if you you lay multiple units, man, good on you too. If you if you got away from clear, hopefully you, you hopefully you learned your lessons from these ones. Nasio Bahamundes defeated uh, Zhu Rong. Um, shout out to Aaron Bronsteder with a round three flyer. He had a really good uh, Aaron Bronsteder TSN MMA show. He had a really good for TSN Edge. He had a really good night. So I got to shout my guy Aaron there, man. Um, Bahamundes looks looks awesome. I'm glad. Uh, I kept my mind open from these guys, and now we're actually really seeing what the Team Valley Flow can help produce. I know Bahamundes came up through his father as well, so I don't, I don't want to take any credit away from there. But um, again, you got to be able to adjust your opinions, and um, you know I, I am there, so uh, there we go. Uh, Josiane Nunez defeated uh, Ramona Pasquale. Again, it was going right up uh, as I thought. You know, the size and stuff was, was going to allow uh, allow her to get through round one and then by round two that's where you know Nunez was going to have enough power to put her away still while Pasquale was going to start to gas out uh, but because she missed that went for the grappling and then you got you know and I don't blame Mark Smith uh, for not stopping this and I don't blame him for a stand-up in, in another fight but like I, I was telling uh, Zane who was running the bloody elbow account like God, this guy just has such a damn goddamn uncertainty about him in all his calls that just, you know, uh, make it hard for me to, to, to kind of like his refing style. And I don't mean to nitpick, but again, I went through the example with both him and Dan Mergliata, these guys that kind of have that <laughs> urgency. Um, they tend to make these really bad off-the-cuff calls, uh, whereas guys that maybe are a little too lax, like Herb Dean maybe or, or Keith Peterson, uh, these guys are not so coincidentally the slower guys supposed to make stoppages. So again, I'm not saying anything crazy here that I can't fucking back up. Um, I'm not trying to pick on these guys either, by the way. Just, just saying. Uh, 
<clears throat> so you see that. But uh, but hey, man, again, you know me. Um, at least I'm, you know, even though it doesn't count for much. Uh, again, you know, uh, the analysis was right, and you know, even though I'm trying to be smart and conservative, and do this, this definitely wasn't a night where you know it was. You know, I didn't lose, so I guess I was rewarded in that sense. But uh, oh boy, um, I just was like, you know. I don't want to complain. I've been, I've been doing well, but I was like, ah, that was so close. Terrence McKinney defeated uh, for ZM. Um Good on everybody. You got McKinney at plus money by the time I got to this fight. Uh, it was He wasn't plus money, and I didn't really feel like betting it at that point. Uh, but, boy, did he make you look smart if you did. Shots to all the friends out there who were getting those round one caches. That was really nice. Um, Jonathan Martinez defeated Alejandro Perez, uh, the second leg of the parlay with Nunez. Comes through by decision. Uh, again, I know it was a little scared off because of Perez's history and Martinez's history. Uh, kind of opposing both with the judges and myself as far as backing them, getting burnt, uh, yada, yada, yada. But um, this was fairly clear. And again, uh, what happened again with the analysis, I told you that Perez, he'll get those knockdowns like with Andre Sukumtat where he hits guys when they're on one leg and then everybody makes a bigger deal. Remember I was just talking about that and what fucking happened, folks? I know, crazy. It's like it's like I can actually analyze these fights uh, instead of just throwing fucking darts at the wall. But hey, um, it's about making money into those and analyzing. And what we did here in defense, um, I didn't lay Jonathan Martinez by decision because I didn't want to be exposed, but I did put him in a prop parlay. Uh, that Again, if you would have parlayed the props, um, I don't think, you know, it almost could have done really well if Nunez round two hit because then you would have had Martinez decision, Nunez round two, Musasi uh, inside the distance, and then Hobocop inside the distance would have been the one missing prop. So, you know, it wouldn't have been too bad on a round-robin um, type scenario there. Um, Rami Brahimai did his thing, got the, over Michael Gilmore. That's the one way he was going to win, gets it done. Grats if you uh, laid that there. Uh, Carlos Hernandez defeated Victor Altamirano, didn't watch his fight. Uh, so I guess I'll count myself lucky to get that pick right. All right, sorry, a bit of a lengthy uh, recap there at 3406, 3408. Um, but again, it's a lot of judges stuff angles to talk about, being on the right side, being on the wrong side, and how, you know, regardless of, you know, I, I was on both, um, even though the, the right side I was on I didn't bet on. Um, but you can't be mad, man. These are just that's what that's what you you leave the door open to. Unfortunately, if they're competitive fights, conservative or chaotic. All right, UFC or before that, let's go uh, real quick. Shouts to Robert G. By the way, a long time uh, supporter of the Protecting Podcast, uh, hitting that PayPal uh, donation link. Much more kind than he needs to be. As well as my guy uh, Jerry H. As well, appreciate you. A couple others in there as well. Um, sometimes it's, uh, you can do uh, anonymous, so I, I, I don't want to read anybody's information anyways, but I, I do want to, like, read enough to acknowledge you guys, if that makes sense, but thank you for those of you else who hit that, uh, PayPal donation link that's in my link tree, at Dan Tom MMA, at Dan Tom MMA on Twitter, the only social place I'm really active on, and of course that same link, that same secure PayPal link, uh, it's found on my website that so, uh, hosts this here podcast, Mix marshallanalyst.com again to the right uh, next to the, the uh, Amazon click-throughs which I really gotta get rid of um, but uh, yeah you'll see a PayPal secure donation link if you want to support this free show because uh, I don't charge for any of these picks and stuff thank you guys for the shout out the PYM podcasting who needs to pay a talent when you have this show that is very true fortunately that model hasn't been as successful as me as 
you know, uh, people who, who charge to people who are just like annoying Twitter people and stuff with like kajillion followers. But needless to say, uh, I still work hard. And even though it took the long road and it doesn't really mean shit because I look at a lot of people and I'm like, this person deserves way more followers. And I see some people I'm like, how the fuck do you have this many? But yes, for what it's worth, even though I abandoned this goal after coming up short for years and years, almost half a decade, uh, I did finally hit 10K followers on Twitter. So thank you guys very much for that. Didn't really feel like posting it because, again, it's not really that big of a deal. I really cared less about that space and followers. And there's just so much other important shit. Like, I just have not really... I mean, maybe I'll still tweet something out just to thank everybody, but it's it hasn't really been a fucking top priority for me, to be honest. Um, Billy Welks, Bill Welker, um, he's, 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 uh, he's laying some, he said he's laying the draw on the main event. Also has some other flyers out there. We'll get to the main event here shortly, Billy Welker. Check out uh, Bill's show. I love Bill, uh, by the way. M- at, at MMA on the Rocks, at MMA on the Rocks. Uh, type in MMA on the Rocks or Bill Welker on YouTube. You can find his show. Subscribe. Great stuff. Bill's a good dude. Um, and, of course, the combat uh, or the chronic combat conversations. Uh, subscribe, subscribe to them on YouTube and podcasts. Of course, that's uh, Guru. That's, that's uh, my guy. Let me actually get the actual. Uh, <clears throat> there we go. At chronic combat. I know I, I uh, accidentally. Uh, who was it? Let me see here. I accidentally. It's so close to uh, how uh, my guy Kyle McLaughlin does his. um. <laughs> What do you call, uh... What the heck? I'm back around. No, I think I did. No, I think I did do the right thing. I don't even know. I was fucking half awake when I was doing this. I woke up this morning. Oh, yeah, I gotta get this out. Uh, I thought I mixed up my things for whatever reason. Um, but maybe I didn't. It's, uh... I always get confused with the, the handle... Um, but yeah thanks to uh, Chronic Combat Conversations at Chronic Combat and of course that's with uh, at TB Scouting MMA um, Tyler and my guy Greg uh, at Guru Scouting MMA give them a follow I know I always uh, talk trash about MMA betting there's honestly great people in the space man I meet so many friends through this space and whatnot, um, and uh these dudes are just good, genuine dudes. They just give out their picks there uh, for free. They track all their stuff and do all that fun stuff. Uh, you know, they're not uh, <laughs> they're not up in their asses about it. They have a good time. Um, and whenever uh, I, t- I tune in, uh, you know, on, on, on fight day, uh, occasionally I'll tune in to see what these guys are up to, and I always get a good a good chuckle. And uh, they do their work too, man. So give them a shout. But I always get the uh, their handle uh, podcast handle confused with combat. CHR, that's Combat Chronicles. And of course, that's my guy Kyle. Support him on patreon.com backslash Combat Chronicles. He puts excellent content out there, not betting wise, but you know, you want to talk about MMA history, uh, combat sports in general, uh, combat sports history, and just, you know, maybe some intelligent takes, uh, some good movie takes, and all that good stuff too for the film lovers out there. You give my guy uh, at, at uh, ah, where'd it go? At Combat CHR, Kyle will follow as well. Support his podcast. It's free as well. You don't have to go to the Patreon, but I think you'll want to support it after you listen to his podcast, which is for free. So uh, I wanted to give that shout. Okay, now that we're done with shouts, we'll go into 39-35 UFC 272 breakdown. 
we got? I'll pull up the odds here. Headline, of course. Grudge match. Welterweight. Colby Covington, minus 335. Jorge Masvidal, uh, plus 260. Um, yeah. Basically, I don't think this line should be that wide. I think the opener was more appropriate. Uh, my end-up breakdown is up on MMAJunkie.com. A little Perfect Strangers uh, Easter egg in there. Shouts to my guy, uh, Kamikaze Abby Subban. Um, I'm going to have to retweet that and share that later in case anybody missed that. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I, I just don't think it should be that wide. I think uh, it's going to be a competitive decision uh, throughout. Um, even though Colby's not throwing as much volume, he's a little more diverse in his shot selections, a little more measured, a little more feints. Um, I feel like he doesn't roll under his crosses as much. But when he does now, it's because he's going with this where he steps through with his cross and rolls under and shifts into a power two from the orthodox. He's been doing a lot of that. He's been doing a lot of different things to kind of angle off to the outside in an open stance matchup, which I imagine he'll continue doing here. Another reason why Jorge Masvidal's left hook is going to be important. Um, and footwork, uh, which I like Masvidal's left hook, but some of the footwork not so much in the sense of the fact that he's just his traditional thing. It's going to serve him poorly here is where he's not the hardest to put up against the fence, uh, and he'll often find himself hanging out there in fights. And that's just bad. That's exactly where Covington needs you to be. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, you know, maybe we'll see some changed-up shot selections. These guys know each other well. That intangible of former friends and training partners always Fs with me. Uh, sometimes you get the Burns Usman where it goes fast, but more oftentimes it's tense, it's conservative. You know, whether it's a Rampage uh, Rashad grudge match or a Hashad. And I also say Hashad in my breakdown on purposely. Slide that in there if anyone caught that. Um, or Hashad and Jones, former teammates, right? So uh, that's why I expect this thing to go long. Uh, but at the same time, if there was a knockout, obviously it'll be on the Mosfidal side. Um. I mean, Masvidal has his chin would and, and would have to seriously drop off after one fight uh, for coming someone like Covington to come in and stop him. Um, and even if Covington can get control time, I don't know if it's going to be the kind of control time where it's going to be on the ground slash have him flat on his back slash have him on the ground flat on his back long enough for him to get off uh, concussive knockout shots. Uh, Masvidal just scrambles too much. And I just think his Cuban genes are too good for that. You know, this guy's went five rounds on short notice, not once with uh, Usman, folks, uh, but also twice with Benson Henderson. Masvidal 7-2 and two against UFC-level southpaws, and those two losses are split decisions. The aforementioned Benson Henderson and Damian Maya fights you could argue he won, but again, the difference in those was grappling pressure. Two things, both those fighters, to different degrees, obviously, weren't afraid to apply. Uh, which will obviously be in Covington's favor here for the southpaw dynamic uh, as far as taking the southpaw dynamic out of it, right? Grappling. Um, so, yeah, the official pick is Covington by decision, but, like, my man Billy Welks, you know, anybody laying, like, a draw for a fight that's going to be close, maybe the point gets taken away, uh, or if it's going to be close, and, again, you know, you got to judge feeling extra contrarian like me lately apparently like you know a lot of a lot, me being like a lot of the people who read the criteria where we're just really nitpicking the damage thing you know maybe it's one of those you know Covington's not allowed to get a lot, a lot of offense Masvidal just has to you know um, 
you know, rock him in one or two rounds, even if he doesn't get the finish, and then just have one close round that can justify as his, and he's right there, or he rocks him in one, and, you know, it's a borderline 10-8, and, uh, you know, Covington survives, right? Round four, or whatever, Covington's getting his second win. Masvidal's right there, lively. Um, similar, like, to our RDA was live, uh, you know, taking rounds from uh, Covington late, round four and whatnot. Um, so, you know, the... There's a lot of ifs there, so I mean, if 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 you know if anybody was laying up, you know, the plus sixty five hundred for you know, doing using your free play for the draw, I don't blame you. If you're putting like fucking ten bucks, uh, down on Masvidal by decision for plus one thousand, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't blame you. You know what I'm saying? Like it sounds crazy, I know, but like, I don't know, man. I feel like this fight's gonna be close. Um. So uh, so we'll see. Uh, but uh, picks Covington by decision. I, I stayed away. Good luck if you're playing it. Um, yeah, next fight. Uh, Dos Anjos, minus 180-ish now. Plus 155 for Nato This only opened at minus 200. Um, I figured, you know, man, not that it only, I mean, to be honest, I probably would expect it like minus 240 or 230. It's not like I was expecting it to open very much higher, but... Um, RDA, you know, not very much love from the odds makers, and um, especially when he looked, you know, kind of bad against Kieser in a fight that he probably should have won or looked better in. I think that was part of it because I think I said this before. When you go back and watch that fight, at least for me, it wasn't as bad as I remembered. And there's actually like an argument for scoring it for RDA that fight. Uh, again, if you're going off of damage in those first two rounds, but um. You know, I I don't, yeah, uh, but but again, you know, a fighter, you know, kind of like with with Covington, you know, big wrestler guy, kind of laying on him, it just looks bad, and he did a better job of it than Covington did actually. Um, Kiesa and Kiesa, you know, natural welterweight was kind of just gaming the system down at lightweight. Um, so even though you can say it was a former lightweight, he got out wrestled by. It's a little different, and you get the stylistic factor, just a huge freaking guy, you know. Um, you never know. Everyone's allowed their, you know, you fight as long and as much as Dos Anjos, like, yeah, you can be very consistent, but you're not always going to consistently show up. There's going to be performances, whether it's injury or whatnot, and you show up and don't look, you know, yourself and whatnot. And, um, even though it was Felder on, on short notice, he was fighting. If you look at how Felder Dos Anjos, the shape he is in, the speed, the cardio, um, the amount of grappling that was still ultimately done, and Felder's no small guy, no, uh, um, I liked what I saw as far as just how he was moving. Again, I know it was short notice opponent. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how Dos Anjos looked and how he was moving. And I still really liked that. And um, I was going to take him against Fazeev, man. Uh, because Fazeev, again, unless he knocks him out, and Dos Anjos, like, TKO injury, jaw injury against Clay Guida, you know, over a decade ago, uh, uppercut from hell. Uh, Jeremy Stevens, you know, like that would have knocked anybody out. And then, uh, of course, he, uh, you know, almost dies in a weight cut and then gets knocked out by Eddie Alvarez, a fight that I picked and cashed on for longtime uh, followers. Um, that was a really good weekend. Um, and, yeah, that was uh, one of my big bets. Alvarez was a huge dog. Um, but, yeah, uh, he's not one to get stopped. He's never been submitted. Uh, I know he got submitted by Cerrone in that, like, grappling chail thing. But those are just... You, they're starting from certain. I didn't even go back to watch it because it's like, 
you got to understand, these people are just, especially like someone like Dos Anjos is having fights canceled on them. Like a lot of people are just showing up for a paycheck or whatever just to kind of grapple, get paid, or this or that. Like people were talking about Bobby Green's one. I'm like, you know, like, and don't get me wrong, like he ended up getting subbed anyway. So, again, it would have made, you know, bad information look good. But people were like, oh, he got subbed by this guy at a grappling tournament. So Makachev's going to sub him. I'm like, no, if Makachev's going to sub him, it's because Makachev's really good. Um,. <laughs> You know, uh, like, Bobby took that fucking grappling match, like, the way he took this fight, and it was the same result, you know, hindsight there. But, um, but yeah, like, a lot of these fighters are just taking these things. And then you have these grappling matches where it's like, you know, they do things where, like, they can't decide a winner. They're starting you on, like, arm lock positions, or they're starting you on the back, and you're already tired, and you maybe you're only in great shape because you just came in just to fuck around. You're not taking this thing very seriously. Um, but Dos Anjos isn't a guy to really, you know, like... Kiesa was the first guy I can remember finally getting on his back. And even then, as big as Kiesa was and as bad as Dos Anjos looked at times and tired as he looked at times in that fight, um, he was, you know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't getting, you know, even Daryush got subbed by Kiesa, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, on his bad day. Um, Dos Anjos just got, you know, beaten uh, on the scorecards on his bad day. And again, you could argue that he won. And if that fight would have kept going, um, Dos Anjos, you know, may, you know, might have fought his way back into it because if you look at it, a lot of his fights, like that Covington fight, which is an argument, obviously, that, like, I, I don't... I, I know people are adamant, like, Covington won, Covington... Like, yeah, I scored it for him at the time, too, and didn't see, like, a problem, but when you actually go back and look at it, when you keep the actual criteria and damage in mind, it's like, well, um, I know Dos Anjos has bad body language, and his body language gives away that he didn't win round two, but, like, there's more than arguments, I believe, off the top of my head, I think, for round one, two, and four. Um, if you just ignore that whatever ear cauliflower bump or whatever, you're actually looking like what's landed, you know, not listening to the commentary. Um, that's mainly just talking about uh, Covington, right? And, um, and yeah, like, uh, not even just in that fight. Uh, Leon Edwards' fight, I believe, um, other fights, even where he's lost, like he actually, you know, he actually, uh, can come back from, from beaten, beatings and, and, and put up fights, win or lose, you know? Um, so it's, he, he doesn't really have a, a, a gas tank thing. Uh, whereas Moicano, um, like I was telling the chronic combat conversation guys, um, he cashed for me really great. And yeah, I'm high on Moicano for that. But at the same time, you gotta wipe the slate clean. Everything's a fresh matchup, folks. It's a matchup-dependent game, and um, Moicano looked really heavy before his last fight, and it almost worried me, but he said he did it on purpose to kind of like bulk, bulking season, like he was Mac from It's Always Sunny or something, and he did put in the work at American Top Team uh, and looked in, you know, good shape um, for his fight. Uh, and he was talking in interviews before on how he made that a real effort because he used to be worried about his cardio, um, and worried about gassing out, which I did not know. You would not think that from his style. But apparently, you know, he's, was, he really had to manage energy. And that's another reason why he wasn't grappling and stuff and wrestling. And now that both that he's up at lightweight and actually, like, um, you know, has gone to the decisions and got more experience, he's actually more confident now, you know, um, in his ability to push longer, you know. But that being said, having that, he admitted himself, he has a fear in the back of his mind and going along. And he's more comfortable now, after all this time, division changes, success, whatnot, 
But now he's stepping into another five-round fight. Only his second five-round fight ever. Even his jungle fight title fights were only scheduled for three rounds. I'm not sure if that's a normal thing for jungle fights. But if you go look up on Tapology, it's only he was only scheduled for three five minutes. Um, so he's and he's never been in the fourth round before, and now he's gonna do it for the first time on like what five days notice, even less notice than Bobby Green had. And he's flying back and forth, so he's probably eating good. It looks like he was eating good before. If I'm looking at body body comparisons, he doesn't look out of shape or anything. But it looks like even though he just fought, he still was able to do some damage, you know? Um, maybe he was on his way to back to being thick Moicano. You're retaining a lot of water on your flight there, much less the flight all the way back to Brazil. Uh, and, you know, again, I picked Aldo to beat him because, and as well as Chan Sung Jung, both of them I picked to knock him out, which they did. Because their game was predicated on countering a jab. Um, and because Moicano uses his jab so much. Well, that's, I mean, Dos Anjos can counter a jab too as well, by the way. But how is he going to feel about jabbing um, a southpaw? This is his first southpaw ever. Not only southpaw, similar to Aldo. It's a former world fucking champion. A former world fucking Brazil champion. First Brazilian and only Brazilian lightweight champion in the UFC ever. Uh, and even though, again, I picked Aldo for the technical reasons and the experience and the stylistic matchup, um, part of the, another part of the reason, even though it wasn't a huge one, and I don't base picks off this, was because, you know, uh, shout out to my guy uh, Dan Levy there. He used to use this phrase a lot when we did a show. He would go, he's signing autographs, right? This guy going to ask for autographs in there? And I like that saying because, you know, it's like it's it's very true. You know, um, I don't. Th I think Makano has has matured since then, but he definitely had a little bit of that with Aldo. Um, and I know Dos Anjos maybe not revered as much as Aldo, obviously, but like still a respectable guy, right? Um, they're into the same things and stuff, so um, maybe there's a little bit of that there. It's his first southpaw, first five round fight. Like you didn't even negotiate out of a five round fight. All you negotiated was five pounds up. It's like shit. I think that that helps Dos Anjos more than anything. That helps Moicano. First of all, for the weight, and second of all, the, the rounds don't help him at all. Um, also, stylistically, the reason why I, I picked guys like Fiziev as well to beat um, Moicano was because Fiziev, Dos Anjos' original opponent, works the legs and body. And that's what you got to do to Moicano. Even though he can hit the legs pretty well when he decides to, like we saw in the Keita fight, um, his leg defense isn't that great, or body defense. Guys who... Anyone who's gone and kicked Moicano's legs or punched him to the body is hit at a high percentage. And that's that's Dos Anjos' game. And Dos Anjos is either going to be really confident and surprise him with his grappling and take him down, which I think he can do and beat him up. Or he's going to say, you know what, I don't want to give a front headlock scramble to the back or anything to this guy, so I'm just going to break him down on the feet and let him get tired trying to wrestle me because even though I wasn't preparing for a wrestler... He spent the last ye over a year, three training camps, over a year, training for Islam Makhachev. And Dos Anjos, by the way, he did this camp, obviously the last couple weeks because the fight got delayed. He's already been in the States, but he did his entire camp where he's moving back to, which is Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And if you saw uh, Dede, Andre Pedaneres in his corner, it's because he's, he's now a, no a Nova Anyao guy. So he's on whatever they're on. He's training, you know, he's got the, he's in a room full of, uh, full of high level, he's in a jujitsu camp full of high level jujitsu wrestlers. 
that specialize in takedown defense um, and styming jujitsu attacks. Like, you couldn't pick a better camp um, and better style to put yourself around, and he already has the underrated wrestling and grappling chops. So he's not getting knocked out. I mean, it's got to have to be a real, you know, again, a really bad cut, which gets taken out of the equation a bit less now that it's at 160 again, at my point, helping Dos Anjos more than Moicano. Um, and yeah, I don't, you're not going to take, even if you hurt or bloody Dos Anjos, like it doesn't bother him. So I, I laid it on Dos Anjos, um, late last night, early this morning at minus 165 in one house, 1.65 U and minus one, uh, 170 in another 1.70 U for unit returns. And, uh, I'm going to look at the inside the distance line when it comes out, but more importantly, I'm, I'm going to look at rounds three, four, and five. I'm going to sprinkle on. All three of those rounds, probably over than playing inside the distance, um, and uh, th- that way that'll probably bring it to close to uh, not too far over two unit exposure, which is a number to note because that's a lot. But I also have about the same on another gentleman. Uh, next fight, Bryce Mitchell minus one seventy, Edson Barbosa plus one fifty. All right, so this is a tough one. Um, I skipped t- tape of this one until before this podcast because I was like, I'm just going to go with Mitchell. Uh, kind of, like, And it's kind of like what I was talking about with the combat, chronic, uh, chronic combat conversations, guys. It's that, like, you, you, we talk about these biases and, like, sometimes you hit you wrong on a guy, so like, you're going to, you know, overcorrect the steering wheel away from him. Um, you know, you, you know, as far as betting him. Or you bet against the guy and he proved you wrong, so now you're going to overcorrect the steering wheel toward him, right? And you have both of these factors. I don't know about you guys or what your betting history or feeling is. I don't expect or tell you to, to have mine, by the way. I'm just laying out all my thoughts and analysis for your guys' reference for hopefully you guys to do something to make some money with it on your own. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, fucking hell, man. I've bet against Bryce Mitchell. I, I didn't think, you know, I, I thought Andre Feely should have beat him. Uh, you know, and he didn't, obviously. <laughs> Um, Edson Barbosa, obviously I was big on him against Giga and he should have beat him. And I think that was probably proven right, but that was just a really bad fight by Bar- Bar- Barbosa. Um, and now I'm on the fence here cause I went and re- I can rewatch it. And now I'm like still wanting to pick Barbosa, but not necessarily play him because it's like more of a show me thing. It's like, we've seen him, you know, this is still the matchup for him, but he is in the big cage, which is huge. And Bryce Mitchell, even though he's set to make improvements and whatnot, how much improvements can he make? How physical can he be compared to the lightweights? You know, that were guys who who could barely make lightweight, like Kevin Lee and Khabib, and that were the best of what they did and were better at all uh, all those aspects. Um, maybe not creative submissions, but every other aspect of grappling. Uh, I'll give Kevin Lee and, you know, minus, minus gas tank for Kevin Lee, of course. But I'd give Kevin Lee and Khabib over Bryce Mitchell, obviously. And Bryce Mitchell, a guy who was small for the weight, was walking around at 147, coming off tough. for getting RNC'd by Brad Katona in round three. Um, you know, uh, maybe he just hasn't met a, a fighter that's physical and that can, that can do these things to him, you know. Feely's got underrated wrestling, but it was always underrated offensive wrestling. Um defensively, you could still say it was underrated, but ultimately it was costing him whether you agree with certain decisions uh, that he lost or not, right? Um, so that is is really is really tricky from that standpoint. Um, and uh, but yeah, I don't know how I don't know how, how how big or physical Bryce Mitchell 
can be to compete with those guys. Edson Barbosa, brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You know, they don't see him really putting in the gi. Uh, don't see him working with a bunch of high-level wrestlers or anything. But he is an American top team. And he's always been able to do these things. Um, he's got good butterfly in steps. He'll go to feet on the hips and push guys off. That's been an escape that's been able to give multiple Bryce Mitchell opponents out of him. Simple stuff like that. Barbosa does these same things. Um, his takedown defense is is you know isn't bad. It's pretty good. It's, I think it hovers around the 80 percentile mark. It's a little lower than that now. I think, but you know, but the thing is too is that his body language. This is the guy I was talking about hinting Barbosa. He's super technical, experience, but I don't like his body language. He always looks like. I don't know if he's tired or panicked because he's not panicked or necessarily tired when he looks like this, but he, here's the word, duress. Barbosa always looks like he's under duress, even as early as round one if you get him shuffling, and especially when you get him defending takedowns under the ground. Like Even when fighters push him against the cage in a fight that he's winning or not necessarily losing, or he can't be tired at this point, whatever the justification, he looks like he's letting it bother him much more than it really is bothering him. And I think that speaks loudly. I mean, I don't think. I, I would confidently assume that speaks loudly to the judges because body language, like we say time and time again, like is the common factor when we go back and examine these controversial decisions. Body language is often an important factor. And Barbosa always has that kind of looks tired. And he is surprisingly somewhat hittable, especially just when people want to wing to the face on him, you know, when they don't respect him and just say, I'm going to come in on you and they can hit him. And Bryce Mitchell, you know, it's like, I don't know how much striking improvements per se he was showing on Andre Feely. I don't know how much of it was Andre Feely just worried about the takedown and therefore it was making Mitchell striking better. But Mitchell, whether he was switching to Southpaw or righty was able to just launch right hands and hit. And, you know, he didn't rock Feely, but he hit him hard enough to score to where even if he wasn't being active, which he definitely wasn't in some rounds, like I, I gave Feely, I think, round two for sure. Um, but you know he's still scoring with the judges because at least he's throwing when he is on the feet. And, you know, say what you will about Bryce Mitchell's IQ. Unfortunately, that kind of helps him in these kind of scenarios because, uh, you know, he's uh, he doesn't know no better, you know? Um, he hasn't been taught that lesson yet um, between his, you know, his... Uh, Intelligi to his undefeated record. Um, yeah, and perhaps Barbosa could teach him the lesson. So I'm actually tempted to sway and go pick Edson Barbosa here, but he is not going to be necessarily a dog that I play. Although, if he he, he got put up bet down to plus 150 now, so that's already more than a justified stab on Barbosa. Um, if he goes more, I may have to justify stabbing, but here's, here's what I am going to recommend you look at okay i'm not saying you should play i'm not saying i'm gonna play although i may sprinkle on this regardless of my pick i may sprinkle on this um it's that i think that barbosa could win a decision here but i think it's gonna be one of those things where again it's gonna be a split decision or something where you're or or just a close decision where it's how much control i know control shouldn't it should be damaged but let's let's be honest it's this is kind of how it gets looked at. It's still scored sometimes. Uh, how much control mixed with the damage that Mitchell did do, was it enough to outdo the, the clear damage that Barbosa was doing? It's going to be one of those fucking pickles. And I feel like I'm always on the wrong side of those. And this has that written all over it. You couple that with Barbosa's body language. Like, I don't even think Bryce needs to get him in a close submission or necessarily even needs to get him hurt. 
He just needs to overwhelm him and keep scoring, and Barbosa will sell it for him with the way he kind of looks when he gets on the floor or with his back against the fence. Um, and it could be one of those things where, like, Barbosa should win the decision and deserves it, and he's still going to lose it. So even though Barbosa, this fight could easily go to decision and Barbosa could, by all rights, can and, and, and should win a decision, I feel like it's ultimately going to be knockout or bust for Barbosa because of the factors I just said. Um, I was getting some Benil Dariush vibes from this fight, you know, hitting him with the knee. Uh, so I'm going to pick Barbosa here by knockout. Barbosa does it to Dariush, though, in round two, which I think is live, and you could sprinkle round two. Because the thing is, Barbosa, unless it's like Bar- Burgos, where you're, you're both recklessly aggressive and striking with him, slash striking with him and giving him kicking targets, as Barbosa's stance do, then you're going to get a really aggressive Barbosa in round one. But generally, especially later on, it almost goes bad for Barbosa, you know? And, and maybe fighters like Gaethje knew this and pressed him early, right? Um, even back to Varner, you know, pressuring him early. Just don't let him get set. A lot of these Muay Thai guys kind of got to get comfortable, right? And that's kind of Barbosa, you know? Uh, Makwan Khani, last grappling. Then he's dropping him in round two and round three, right? And again... It's t- you go back to, you know, we like to say, okay, well, this is the classic match that Barbosa's lost, like wrestlers and pressure and this and that. And I, I would say it's more pressure than wrestlers at this point, to be honest. But yes, uh, I think the, the, the ones that are most relevantly burned into our mind is Khabib and Kevin Lee. But those were like back-to-back um, four years ago before he, he revamped with American Top Team. He was still training with Frankie Edgar's camp. Not that there's a lack of good wrestling-based training partners to train with there, but you know what I mean, right? And um, and even in those fights, those guys were, again, the creme de la creme. And again, comparing to Bryce Mitchell, I already did that. I'm not going to do that again. But even in those fights, go back to round three. He, even after taking beatings and and against those guys, and not just against those guys, by the way. Like, that that's literally the best Kevin Lee that I've ever seen in that fight. And up until the Gaethje fight, that was one of the best Khabibs I've ever seen, was the Khabib against Barbara. So he got two of the best guys for that style, two of the best guys in the division, one of the best guys fucking ever, and he got the best versions of him, and even then, after being fucking the nail for two rounds, Barbosa's able to spin kick him in the fucking face, win the round outright from Kevin Lee and, and have him on skates, but he lands spin kicks to both, and if Khabib didn't have a big bulbous head as he did, he probably would have had Khabib at the very least on skates too. Both of those were in round three. So you know what? I'm going to pick Edson Barbosa by knockout in round three. I'm probably going to sprinkle small on round two plus 850 and round three plus 1,400. But but if he doesn't, then Barbosa is probably going to lose even if he wins. So be careful. I'm going to officially pick Barbosa by knockout. I don't blame anybody for, for, for playing Barbosa dog. Um... I need more dogs. I've, I've, I've only, I think I'm only, if I didn't pick Barbosa, I'd only be picking one other dog on this card officially, and I'm playing him. So give me Barbosa here. All right, next fight. Um, Alex Oliveira plus 270. Uh, Kevin Holland minus 350. This feels like a trap fight kind of all over it with the lines and this and that. It blew up. Um, no disrespect if you got in early, like my guys over at uh, Chronic Combat Conversations. I believe uh, they tied in Kevin Holland to part of their parlay. I'm picking Kevin Holland here. It's hard to know what you're going to get from Alex Oliveira. He's saying the stuff that is true, and you would hope he would say that this is a must-win. It doesn't matter. 
But at the same time, he's like, oh, I'm not going to take him down. I'm going to just here to bang. I'm here to bang. I'm like, okay, here we go. Um, but this could be like a, a very much a Darren Stewart fight where Alex Oliveira does kind of fight smart at points. And he is strong in the clinch, so he uses that to take down and get top control. Um, and, you know, Kevin Holland still wins, but it's like a split decision where you're fucking sweating, right? Uh, either way, there's plenty of scenarios where actually I could see either side, no matter who you bet you're going to sweat in this fight. It's just one of those weird, trappy fights. I was going to look for overs, but they were really keen to it. Um, I was hoping to get some plus money overs, but they set it at one and a half and chalked it up. Um, if I probably would take take the two and a half plus money if I had a house. I'd give it just for small, just for, for fun maybe, but I'm kind of exposed more than I want to. Uh, there's some plays like Barbosa and another Brazilian where it's like, I've got good angles on, and I, I'm just trying not to play too, too much. But uh, we'll see. I kind of like my, my formula right now. We'll see. Um, and then main card, opening the main card, Sergey Spivak, uh, minus 195. Greg Hardy, plus 165. Wow. Surprise. Uh, it's going down the other way. I guess, you know, the old value or whatever argument, um, Greg Hardy or whatever. But like I explained, man, again, this is no disrespect to – um, you know, the football fans that follow me and, and listen to this show or anything, I'm not trying to shit on that. I'm just saying, man, I'm just down the, I'm just saying the facts to, to try to save us all some money and some time here. Um, this great white hope of, and I know, you know, Hardy, <laughs> part of me thinks he may might identify more, <laughs> more that way, but, uh, even though he's not white, obviously, uh, he's, you know, he, as far as like this hope of like, all we need is a football player to come into the heavyweight division. Like, motherfuckers, we've been saying this for over a decade, and Brendan Schaub has still done the best. Okay, let's let's give it up. <laughs> let's give it up, okay? I'm um, not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying, like, we need to stop pretending that just because you're good at one thing means you're going to be good at the other. That's just not how life works. There's nothing against football. Um, it's not even anything against fucking Hardy, even though there's plenty that we can fucking go against that POS. But anyways... Um, unself-aware POS, uh, but you know what I mean. I'm, it's just like, this it has nothing to do with the football or anything like that. So all, all my followers and friends out there, don't get mad because I'm, I'm going against Hardy again here, but I told you guys once he got to actual competition, I'm just going to fade the shit out of this guy, and that's all I've been doing, and it's been paying off really well. Um, Spivak's been doing martial arts since he was a child, since seven years old. Um Sambo, amateur MMA, and it shows, you know, because he uh, can do it all. He can do the hip tosses. He can do clinch takedowns. He can do level-changing doubles in the open, which is going to be real important. He's actually really good at catching kicks and countering, which is going to be really good considering the best kicks he's catching are countering are leg kicks, and that's what Greg Hardy tends to look for, especially to buy him time and keep him safe because he's afraid to gas. So between Hardy being afraid to gas and perhaps his one-punch knockout power, though he still has it, and he could still ice Spivak here with one punch, folks. Don't get me wrong. I am willing to know that. Even if that happens, that's fine. I'm still up against betting this guy, and I still got money in other places in this card that I'm confident in. So fuck it. I'm laying against fucking Hardy. Um, And I put Spivak in a parlay. That's for one unit, and the other unit is going to be divvied up between... Um, like one house, I put just a whole unit on inside the distance plus 120 because that's I don't get really sexy props in it. But like in my bet online house, I put 
0.33 units on Spivak by sub, plus 300, because I think he's going to scarf hold Greg Hardy in round two. Round two. And then I also put um, Spivak sub round two at uh, plus 1,000 for 0.17 un units, so 17 bucks there. Um, I added those uh, in, in the houses were applicable for fun. Um, I didn't hedge, but if you wanted to hedge... I think Hardy round one knockout in the neighborhood of plus 500. You don't have to lay a lot to maybe potentially make back what you risk betting against him. I don't think I'll be doing that at all. Um, so I'm just going to ride out, ride or die here with uh, Spivak, who, uh, you know, coming into his own, been training at Extreme Couture, has had extra time to train for this. Uh, remember, he took the Aspinall fight on very short notice. They had to, like, give him a sweet deal to take the fight, like, on a week's notice or some shit. Um, and it's Tom Aspinall, who's fucking legit prospect. And a legit bad matchup. And his other fight, Walt Harris. Um, I know Walt Harris is, you know, not a great fighter from his record, but he is more he is one of those athletes who is actually, you know, a fighter. Maybe not a great one, but he's shown to be more of a fighter than Hardy, shown way more skills than Hardy, way more experience than Hardy, especially even at that time. And again, that was another short notice UFC debut. So this guy's only lost on a short notice fights us uh, um in the UFC. And now he's at extra notice because Greg Hardy broke a finger. And Greg Hardy already had to spend, you know, he already was coming off of injuries and, and rehab all last year and then broke a finger. And he came into fight week at 295 again heavy. So all his focus is on cutting weight again. Um, and, and the, you know, so again, he can look good, but like the fact that like he actually looked good and could counter and looked really technical against Tabor in round one, and then he goes to his chair and he looks defeated. I'm like, that's mentally weak shit right there, man. Dude, you can't even keep your confidence when you're winning the fight. Oh, a striking fight? What happens when it's a competitive fight or a competitive grappling fight? Well, we've seen what happens. He shuts down. Um, so maybe just one and done takedown, honestly, for Spivak here. So it's too hard not to take him. Uh, laid it big on Spivak. Jylin Turner, Mr. Turner, minus 155. Jamie Malaki, Ted Danson's bastard son, plus 135. Um, this is tough. I really like Jylin Turner, man. Uh, Southpaw, skateboarder, uh, the weird dude, which I appreciate. Nice dude. Um, trains at the Rufka gym. Uh, you know, what's not to like about this guy? Um, I, I get why he's favored here. It shouldn't be by a lot. Let's see. What did it open as? Yeah. And, you know, that's I think the market agrees. Only a little bit of money has come up, come in on him, which is fine. Um, he's definitely the more uh, sexier offering, right? He's uh, the longer guy. He's got, you know, uh, finishes and uh, more, yeah, more well-rounded finishes as far as a knockout to submission ratio, right? More ways to get it done. The brown belt and BJJ. Um but Malarkey's got some, you know, decent grappling too. He came up with doing pancreation and 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 MMA, so more MMA centric training, which is why he's so well rounded. But the dude, like I said, he's uh, you know, don't judge a book by his cover. This guy can scrap. He's deceptively big too, so he's not gonna be out, you know, Turner's gonna be the tallest guy he faced, but he's not gonna be super short. Like I think it's only like a two or three inch reach reach disadvantage and a two or three inch height disadvantage because uh, Malarkey six foot himself with a 74 inch reach. Um, and Malarkey, I like it too. He uh, stays on the outside, will shift and faint to get on the inside. It's only gotten better. 
Uh, he, he works with Ross Pearson, so his inside boxing is money. But now his approach in general and wrestling and everything else has just been really getting much more better working with, uh, I think it's Joe Lopez, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky's head coach, and Alexander Volkanovsky as well in freestyle MMA. Um, he's been you know part of their training camps for the last two years. Uh, even trained with City Kickboxing after he lost to Brad Riddell. And these are his losses, Brad Liddell. And then Alex Volkanovsky on the regional scene. And he got knocked out in that fight and knocked out by like a dude who fights at 135 after. But again, I've explained this before. Malarkey's huge. He shouldn't have been cutting down to 145. Uh, he was killing his body to do it, and it makes you less durable, and he paid the price for it. He landed the perfect shot of Volkanovsky did, and it's Alex Volkanovsky, right? That makes sense. Then he goes in, tries to get it back against another guy that he should beat for his other title that he had. And... It's like literally like so much stuff like had to fluke from it. Like, um, he uh, he's literally like beating this guy, beating this guy down. Who the guy only has a chance to win by knockout and only early. And it's like the half. It's like the first half of the second round. And I don't know what it is, what, what happens to Malarkey, but he gets like caught in this really weird freakish spot where his arm gets caught behind his back. And then he starts actually taking it, like, it allows for the guy to get, like, the perfect shots, and he takes the opportunity to take the perfect shots. And they still don't even put Malarkey out, and he swims out of it, but in order to swim out of it, he had to expose himself more. Then he got hit with an actual good shot, and then the ref stops it, and it was just one of those, like, like the, the commentators couldn't believe it. Like, it was the most flukiest shit ever. And Malarkey smartly was like, I'm done with this, going up to 155. And aside from Brad Riddell and a close decision loss, you could have argued for him, I'm not crying over spilled milk or the result that he lost to ZM. But again, it's a really tightly contested fight. Um, you know, he's really good. You know, he's got some skill. And he showed that against Worthy. Cash there. Took him against Devontae Smith. Cash for us last time out. That was really nice. And maybe it's a little bit of that bias riding into it here, but I'm picking him as the only other underdog on this card. And I'm playing him. I played 1.3 units which is a lot for a dog play for me. But again, um, there's method behind that. Um, he was the only dog that I picked up until that point, And he's the only dog I'm playing up until this point, and perhaps for good of the card. Um, and if I get that comeback on there, if, I, if this hits, it covers my RDA um, straight play. You know what I'm saying? Or if RDA hits and this hit, or if this hits, then it covers, potentially covers... Um, a decent chunk of my Sergey Spivak exposure, right? Um, so that's kind of how I make these plays in mine and divvy out the units in mine. Um, so between that, trying to be strategic on how much you weigh your plays, how much you want to expose, uh, as well as other things like giving yourself a chance to round robin and or parlay props together, that's another reason why uh, it probably is a little doesn't hurt to do bet toward the end of the week. When you have all your analysis together, all the fights are falling out. And again, I know there's just so many of those, you know, I want to be first and I got, I beat the line. Like, dude, it, all that matters is cash in the bet at the end of the day. You, you get trapped trying to be first to market with your takes, much less with your bets. You will get yourself into trouble. You will give yourself unneeded anxiety and stress. And there's already too much of that in this game and, and in life in general. So why, why would we want more? Um, so yeah, I, uh, 
I, that's just a recommendation for those of y'all out there. Don't feel, don't, don't let the FOMO get the best out of you, because in fact, it could be better if you kind of wait things out. Um, we'll see. Again, this is this could be a real, real, real nip tuck one. Turner, you know, he doesn't cut as much weight as I thought. His chin holds up, seems to hold up maybe better than I thought. But there are certain things there. I think that as long as he, Malarkey doesn't get iced with a knee, that's going to be something to look out for. Uh, he's been hit with knees before, and because he, he does those like really heavy dips, just like his teacher Ross Pearson did. Remember, we saw Ross Pearson get kneed by Dan Hooker, so that could definitely happen here, folks. I, I'm, I'm, I'm willingly acknowledging that. I'm still willingly playing it, regardless of that. Um, give me Malarkey. Um, you know, he'll, you know he's going to fight for your money. This is the kind of dog you want to bet on. So, uh, value side, I, I guess. But again, I, I hate that word, and ultimately it comes down to winning the fucking bet. So that's the side I'm on. How about that? Marina Rodriguez minus two sixty, and Zhao Nan plus two ten. Uh, I didn't go to tape this fight to be honest, but Marina Rodriguez by decision plus one hundred is staring me in the face. I'm looking at that. Um. Regardless if I play it or not, folks, that's the pick here is Rodriguez by decision. And regardless of if I play it individually, I will play it uh, to the extent I need to in order to put it in a prop parlay um, with uh, Spivak and RDA uh, inside the distance. So again, regardless whether I play this or regardless, even if I don't end up playing this individually because of my budgeting, for budgeting reasons, I don't want to expose any more on this card. Uh, same with the RDA inside the distance line. I'd be interested in it, but really, no, I'm just going to keep it to the round sprinkles, and that'll round out my two-unit exposure and still give me some bang for my buck and potential bonuses, right? Um, but if I'm going to do a prop parlay, I'm probably going to do, or if you're going to do a round robin, uh, the three for me would be RDA inside the distance, Spivak inside the distance, Rodriguez by decision. I'll recap those, and maybe if you want to put in, like, a fucking Barbosa round prop or Barbosa inside the distance, you know, I think those would be... RDA, Spivak, um, Barbosa inside the distance, and Rodriguez by decision. I think you you have a really good chance of cashing out. Um, you know, I think you have a really good chance. Of, I think you only need to do it two or four to kind of like just barely profit or whatever, or kind of break even slash barely profit, and then three or four you get some good money. Four or four, whoa, big time. I think you get some three or four with that with those. You know, I think three of those four will hit. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's the pick there. So. Um, yeah, I didn't go back to see how Yan Zhao Nan got that TKO loss. Uh, Rodriguez training back home in Brazil. Uh, China top team back in China for Zhao Nan. So travel for both ladies as well. Um, Kennedy uh, Nchekwu, Kenny Nunchucks. Shout out to Wes Colvin, MMA analysis. Minus 135. Uh, Nikolai uh, Nigamarianu, plus 115. The line is going where I wanted it to, but I didn't tape this one. I didn't have time to, and... I, I just, I'm like, you know what, even though I, I still want to fade Nikolai uh, Negamarianu, um, oh, fuck, they, they might give me no choice if they go like Kenny Nunchucks minus 120 or something, but I don't think it's going to do that, and I don't want to be, again, I'm already laying big on the more confident and more uh, readable spots, less volatile spots, more proven sample sizes of consisting for what that's worth of spots. Do I need to expose myself to this garbage? Uh, I'm going to pick Kennedy, that being said, because Nikolai, again, he just he didn't show any improvements. I know he was able to win against Ike Villanueva, but he just kind of did the same thing, his head straight on a pole. He's super hittable. Um, he may have a better chin than Kennedy, which makes this very interesting. But 
I still think Kennedy's the better fighter, so he's going to be my pick. Um, but if Nikolai wins, that'll be good because between the Eastern European name and then, the, you know, he'll probably get like some inflated bullshit line. Um, Marina Moreau is plus 160. Wow, okay. Uh, Maria Agapova, minus 190. For whatever reason, I was thinking Moreau's was the favorite. Um, not because I think she should necessarily. I admittedly didn't tape this fight. I don't want any interest in it. Um, female striking fight, power versus wildness versus more a little bit point fighting. Um, different ty- types of inconsistency from both. Um, yeah, I don't want any- anything to do with it. If you see an angle, good luck to you, especially if you're taking the dog shot. And, uh, yeah, um, everyone gets all creepy in Marina Morose's comment section. They still do that. Marina, please, Mimishke. Yes. Ugh. All these weird creeps in the fucking Instagram comments. Um, Umar Nurmagomedov minus 675. Brian Kelleher plus 475. Man, this is a really wide line. Um, fix Umar Nurmagomedov. Like the betting public and the odds makers, uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be by decision or finish because he's good enough to get a finish. But, um, you know, Kelleher is a, uh, is a real live dog. He's supposed to fight Jack Shore. So there's clearly some shuffling. Uh, he's, he's fighting two weeks earlier uh, against Kelleher, whereas, uh, you know, Kelleher's jumping in. I don't know, maybe that's part of the reason, but again, that's kind of a wash in this day and age, right, as far as preparation goes. Um, I was really looking uh, at Umar's shots. I went back to watch his fights for this. Um, but Umar, good head position, timing on shots, uh, corner hips. He always hit, looks to hit his head on the hip of the corner, which can be bad uh, because that's in guillotine zone, but also the way his head awareness is, like he's always looking to turn those corners, keeping his ear right to the side of the hip and just running it to the side toward the butt. and Just really disciplined um, as far as his positioning and in his takedowns. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to uh, pick him to win here. Surprise, surprise, I know. Uh, but I'm not going to, you know lay the chalk, much less lay uh, the guessing game. Is he going to finish Kelleher or not? Um, I would have, you know, much more respect for a flyer on Kelleher at these odds, you know what I'm saying? So I don't blame you for taking that flyer. Um, but I don't want any action on this one. My pick is Nermaga Madoff. It's kind of the same, different lines, different matchup, which we'll talk about, but the same attitude ultimately here. Tajir Olambekov, minus 240. Timothy, Timmy Elliott, plus 195. Uh, I'm going to go Willem Beckoff here, but again, he's going to be, this could be a good thing. Tim Elliott could really force him to be more of an active grappler because Willem Beckoff kind of leaves that door open by not scoring enough damage, you know? You get some interpretations there, depending. Um, but Elliott, you know, it, it, how's his gas tank going to be? It's been much better because Kraus stays on his guys, obviously. Um, but, I, you know, the... Does it peter out late, or does he make him work to where he's able to find something, or does he wrestle himself into a hole kind of a deal? That's kind of the thing here, you know? It's, does Tim Elliott wrestle himself in a hole, or does he does he, does he he get the advantage of it, with it? And does him doing that make Tajir Ulam-Bekov fight more better and dangerous, or does it make him um, fight more frantic and control-based, and, and does he fall behind that way? Uh, I'm going to take Ulam-Bekov um, to get up, a controversial decision, I'm going to guess. It's going to be tightly contested, I suspect. Um, but yeah, I, I, ain't, I ain't looking to be involved there. Good luck if you are. 
Uh, Devontae Smith, minus 150. Ludwig Klein, I don't know why I say his name, like he's part of the Third Reich, plus 130. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I was looking at Klein here, but then I, 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 I watched back each of their last fight. I didn't go too deep into this one. Um, this was going to be possibly a dog I pick, but don't play kind of a deal. But now I ended up picking Devontae Smith. Uh, Klein's taking this on a short notice. Um, I think the size difference is going to be pretty big, even though it's only two inches of height. Devontae Smith's like closer to 5'10", and then his long legs and arms really make him look bigger, whereas Klein is 5'7", and a smaller 5'7", at that. He's thick, but he's not long. Uh, he's not that imposing for being thick. And I don't know what the extra thickness is going to do to him here, um, better or worse, because I don't think he's like killing himself to get to these cuts to where his gas is going to be better, which is going to suck because... His last fight wasn't on short notice unless something was wrong with him, but he, like, gassed really bad um, uh, against uh, Nate Landwehr. Now, I don't think Devontae Smith's going to bring a dogfight because it's not going to serve him well, and it's not where Devontae Smith's style has been trending. So, honestly, I feel like we get a super conservative fight, which could benefit Klein because that's how he likes to fight. But I've seen him get hit with people committing to crosses in the open stance matchup. And that's going to be Devontae Smith's pass all, path all day. We haven't really seen Smith against Southpaws. I think even Arosa fought him more orthodox in that fight. So that'll be a big question. Um, but Klein wasn't at Sanford. You know, he's he's having to travel from uh, overseas for this last minute. Um, I'll take Smith, but I stayed away. Dustin Jacoby, minus 200. Mikhail Oleksajic. Plus 170. I went back and forth. I eyed this as the second parlay piece. Then I saw a bunch of people on Alex Sajic. I'm like, what the heck? What am I missing here? And, and then I, I'm getting into the tape study, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe this could... I'm still going to pick Jacoby, but maybe this could be a closer fight than I'd, I'd like to be involved with. Um, but then the more I watch, and I'm like, wow, Jacoby actually... I know it's John Allen, but when he goes southpaw on him, Jacoby actually did his best work when the guy was southpaw. In fact, in recent fights, we've seen Jacoby shift to southpaw from his own right. And even going southpaw against another guy fighting southpaw, even though, again, John Allen's not his natural stance, but he's, he's a shootbox guy for what it's worth, so he's swinging from both. Um, Jacoby did really well. Like, you know, they say, like, oh, well, maybe your offense is good, but usually it's just a kick. Like, no, he's jabbing, he was parrying. Like, he actually had, like, his, his defense almost looked better from southpaw than it did orthodox. So, and Jacoby, you know, he... It's a lot of these have been close too, is because he's maybe had to manage his pace a bit. Even though he's a guy that trains at elevation and he doesn't cut a lot of weight, which is good, so he can take these short notice fights. He still took a, a lot. I think two of his last three fights were on a really short notice, folks. Um, whereas this, he's had the whole eight weeks and at elevation. Whereas you know, Mikhail Oleksajic still looks like he's training at whatever Podunk camp in in Poland that he's training at. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know, I know he was able to go the distance and actually have the better third round against Modestus Bukakis, Bukowskis, but, like, no offense, that was Modestus Bukowskis. And if you look at Oleksajic's record, um, he usually loses to the better guys. And win or lose, one of the things I noticed when going back to watch him, it's his fight IQ. Like, he rocks guys and then will, like, push himself into the clinch. And even though he's not facing a grappler here, Jacoby is a better wrestler and grappler than him, I think, for sure. Um, it's pretty underrated there. He, he, he's been training training this stuff forever. Um, you know, Jacoby, he hasn't really fought many southpaws, though, you know, until, uh, you know, uh, early in his career. He lost a two. 
he got uh, beat by Chris Camozzi, who's now his training partner. So he's got a southpaw training partner. That was like early in his career. He's like a 24-year-old kid just got to the UFC. And then the other southpaw he loses to was, was pure grappling. Um, John Salter, right? Salty Dog. So it's like, okay, those are the, those are the two. But like in glory kickboxing, when he had southpaw guys in the southpaw stance, he, he fucked those guys up. Even one of them who was a UFC fighter, Carl Robert, Roberson. So can't really count on the southpaw stats because it wasn't MMA, but it was a UFC-level southpaw. And he fucked Roberson up. It wasn't until the very end Roberson was able to get him with a body shot and a headshot that looked similar to the ways that Oleg Sajic throws his. But right after that, like... um. The Hanyan, uh, Jacoby just ate it and was just like, all right, one, two, pop. And um, the body thing was it was something else I was looking at too. When Even in kickboxing, I didn't see him too, too badly bothered by body shots. And in general, again, this is really anecdotal and it's not saying that it can't happen. Uh, and I hope I'm not jinxing myself here. But like uh, when we see high-level kickboxers and better strikers as an MMA, it can definitely happen, right? Like, that could happen here, for sure. I'm not saying that it can't. But usually it's by knockout, right? Um, how often do we see kickboxers... I know the levels can vary, but how often do we see those kickboxers come in and just get outright outstruck? And much less outright outstruck to the body or legs. No barking. It's fine, babies. Um... You know, like, uh, you know, how many times have you seen a high-level kickboxer going to MMA and just get get their legs torn up and not have an answer for it? Or get their body torn up and not have an answer for it? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't think that's a coincidence, folks, <laughs> that the people that train striking arts um, clean up the basic holes and glaring at holes that most MMA fighters have. So I got to imagine he's got some answers for that, which I suspect he's going to turn southpaw, right? Kind of like uh, against Giga. It's kicks, it's punches instead of kicks, but to close that southpaw side down, and especially if they're going for your liver, turn to a southpaw, close the stance up. You close off that liver, a lot of it, right? It really makes it a hard angle to hit at. Um, so I expect a lot of that from Jacoby. And in looking at it, and guys that are aggressive and looking at Oleksajic's defense, I know he's only been stopped once technically. He's been hurt his fair share of times, though, in his fights. Um, he's not unhurtable, and he's not the biggest middleweight. And I think this could be a case kind of like with a Darren Stewart thing where you come at Jacoby strong, you come at him hot, um, and he'll he'll answer back, you know. He'll take his time to get in the flow, like I just said with a lot of kickboxers, even though he's more kickboxer than Muay Thai, which is more stereotypical with Muay Thai, the slow start. But if you do come at him, he'll he's got answers, he's got counters. So that also makes it dangerous to bet Jacoby decision or inside the distance because I could see him winning both here. I'm actually going to go with Jacoby inside the distance. I think he's going to TKO Mikhail Oleksajic. Um And, uh, yeah, I ended up getting re-swayed and back on it. So I added Jacoby to uh, Spivak. I got him at minus 195, whereas Spivak minus 200. I think they kind of flipped those numbers. You can still get the same number roughly, which is plus 126 for a mere two-leg. I put one unit on that. All right, how do we do? Jesus, 134. All right, let's get out of here. All right, that's it. Let's uh, recap some picks and plays here. Um, yeah, let me see. Oh, well, yeah. I had some notes there, but those aren't really relevant because Fizzy's not on there. All right, we are taking Covington over Masvidal. Taking Dos Anjos Kumate, Kumate over Moicano. Taking Barbosa over Mitchell. 
surprisingly, she changed my pick there. Taking Holland over Oliveira, Cowboy Oliveira. Taking Spivach over Hardy. Taking Malarkey over Mr. Turner. Taking Rodriguez over Jaunan. Taking uh, Nchukwu over Negamarianu. Taking... Am I taking Agapova over Moros? Maybe I am taking another dog here, actually. I'm going to take Moros. I'm not I'm not playing her, but I'm taking Moros. I'm going to take Moros over Agapova. I didn't tape it. That's a stay away for what it's worth. I'm taking Moros over Agapova by decision. Taking uh, Umar Nurmagomedov uh, to beat Kelleher by decision. Taking Tajir Olenbekov over Elliott by decision. Uh, Devontae Smith over Ludovic Klein. Um, maybe second round finish. Taking Dustin Jacoby, finish Mikhail Oleksajic uh, in the first half of the fight. Um, though, as far as picks go, official picks. All right, here's the plays. Parlay, Spivak, minus 200. Jacoby, minus 195 for plus 126 at one unit. Took RDA straight at minus 165 at one house, minus 170 the other, 0.165 units. Uh, or 0.7 in the other one, 1.7 unit to get the unit return for the other house. Malarkey plus 130, 1.3 units. You know, can hopefully cover that RDA in case he doesn't come through or cover the speedback. We'll see. Um, props. Uh, I didn't play anything yet. I may not, but either way, I'll, I'll use it as a parlay, which you can use for your parlay fodder, round robin fodder. For props, which is Rodriguez by decision, plus 100. No units laid down yet, but that's something I'm looking for. Slash will use for a prop parlay. RDA inside the distance, something to look out for. Not saying I'll play it, maybe only for the bonus prop parlay. But I am going to be looking for RDA rounds three, round four, round five. And I'll probably be doing my usual .17 use sprinkles on those. I already put a whole unit on Spivak inside the distance at plus 120. In one house, I put... 0.33 units for Spivak submission plus 300 since I'm calling for the scarf hold sub and Spivak sub round two plus 1000 0.17 units didn't lay it yet but I'm probably going to put my usual poly small 0.17 unit sprinkles on Barbosa round two which is currently a plus 850 may go more if this line keeps going uh, and round three plus 1400 uh, is what I'm going to look to sprinkle I have not yet all right, folks, thanks a lot. MixedMarshallAnalyst.com for the PayPal donation links if you're feeling generous. We'd like to support this here free program. Uh, that PayPal link to donate to the show, support the show also on my link tree and my Twitter, at DanTomMMA on Twitter again. Thank you guys for um, getting me to 10K, even though that stuff really doesn't mean as much these days. It is appreciated nonetheless. Um, thank you guys so much. Uh, good luck on your picks and plays tonight. If you, any of y'all are in town, hope hope to catch some of y'all in town this weekend. Uh, good luck with your picks and plays, and always protect your neck. Survive.